Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Prosecco and Ponies with Tony. I am Tony. This is my book episode. In this episode, I'm going to talk about books and my sister-in-law because I love books and I love her and she writes books, which is really cool. She is the coolest sister-in-law you could have because she's beautiful and she's funny and she writes books that say the word cock in them and I think that that is fucking great. <laughs> and I have a confession to make. I'm not having Prosecco today. I know, what a disappointment, right? I am actually having gin today because I didn't want to open the cork on the Prosecco bottle and I was feeling lazy. So gin it is, friends. I love reading. I love reading. I always have. I collect antique books and I love being read to. Maybe that's why I love podcasts so much. I feel like it's just people telling me stories and I love it. So today I'm going to talk about 10 of my favorite books and how I discovered that my sister-in-law was a total badass. So buckle in, grab your drink, grab your beanbag chair because this is going to be a long one. Now, I have the weirdest taste in books. I really do. And I know that. I acknowledge it. I basically only read like law of attraction books, historical romantic fiction, antique books, poetry, or anything on serial killers. I have no middle ground when it comes to my book preferences. I'm very extreme. So the following list of books that I love and I'm going to tell you about makes no fucking sense. And I know that and I'm sorry. So just stay with me. So the first book on my list is called The Devil All the Time by Donald Ray Pollock. I love this book so much. And I'm an idiot and I lent it to a friend that has never given it back. And it's my own fault for even letting this book out of my sight. This book is so dark and dreary. It's perfect. I actually read a while ago that they're making a movie out of it, which is really cool. It's supposed to have Bill Skarsgård as the character Willard. And I think he will be so incredible. I love oh, Bill Skarsgård. He's so good. If you don't know who that is, he played Pennywise in the new version of the It movies, and he was way better and portrayed a way better and more true Pennywise to the book than Tim Curry, and I will fight you on that any fucking day. Come for me. Come at me. Come at me. I'll fight you. In the book It, which I have read at least three times, Pennywise is, he's not a demon. He's basically a nightmare alien with no human qualities, and Bill just played that way better, and I will stand by that. I, I'll stand by that. Anyways, sorry, back to the book. This book is multiple stories that sort of end up all converging together. So Willard and his wife are raising their son. The wife gets sick and Willard turns into a religious fanatic and he gets insane with his kid Arvin and a prayer log that he sets up on their property. Now, this book is not a horror book at all, but that first part definitely scared the absolute shit out of me because I am terrified of religious people and I am more terrified of Hutterites. And they just like, ugh. like this book doesn't have Hutterites in it, but it totally remind me of their extremism and it just, ugh, it makes my skin feel yucky. If you are listening from the US or Australia, I don't know if you have this group of people there, but they are this terrifying group of people that are allowed to live on colonies and the women aren't really allowed to do anything at all. And they have their own schools. They don't really interact with society unless they're selling their fucking chickens and eggs and pies, which I refuse to buy. And they, they, ugh, there's always like rumors, like 
anybody that's heard of Hutterites has heard the rumor that they like pay men to have sex with their women through a sheet because there's inbreeding and they have all their own society rules like a legal cult and honestly just like talking about them is making my hands sweaty. I'm sorry I don't like this is like I don't know why it just like it gets me really worked up. One time in a grocery store I actually knocked over half of a chip stand in an aisle to get away from like three of them that were coming down the aisle. Bah! Anyways that was so hate-filled. I'm really sorry. I just they're so scary and I can't. Anyways back to the book. Some of these characters are a couple who are photographers and murderers. So obviously as a photographer that caught my attention. There's also a fake holy man who eats spiders and there is like a pervert pastor that you desperately want bad things to happen to. This book is not a happy fairy tale by any means, but oh my god, it's such a dark and twisted and great read. It really is. Highly recommend. Whew, I gotta, gotta take, you know what, I'm gonna have a sip of my gin. That'll fix it. Hold on. I don't know why even talking about them just, well, it gets me so worked up. Anyways, taking a complete turn and hopefully my hands will stop sweating out of fear, I would be so inclined to say that my all-time favorite book on the planet is by an author whose name I am about to butcher horribly. So it's The Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. That's my French accent. You're welcome. Uh, So firstly, the charm and the mystery around the writer himself is like enough to get me hooked. I love backstories, obviously. But then you add on the fact that this book is so perfect and it's precious and it's filled with basically every life lesson that anyone could ever need to be a good person. I could literally fill a whole episode with just talking about this book, but I'm going to try to condense my passion here for a minute. I get really worked up, obviously. This book is basically about a pilot who crashes in the desert and meets a little prince that has visited planets all around space. So even though this book is sort of written as a children's book, it's totally not. It's basically a guidebook on how to how to be a good person. It has lessons about friendship and loneliness and love and not once have I ever made it through this book without crying. <laughs> This book starts out with the narrator talking about how sensible grown-ups are and how ridiculous it is, and then about being stranded in the desert. And really cool fact, in 1935, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, uh, he actually, the author, he actually crashed in the Sahara Desert trying to break a speed record for a flight from Paris to Saigon. So he knows about crashes and being stranded in the desert. So in the book, the little prince talks about a rose that he loves and he puts it under a glass dome. And I read somewhere that people and people all over the world study this book and Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. So I'm just butchering his name over and over again. I should just keep saying it again and again. And then all these people that actually speak French are going to just be so annoyed with me. But I read somewhere that people that study this book actually think that the rose in the book uh, was his wife, Consuelo, and his wife in real life was the daughter of a wealthy coffee farmer from El Salvador. After Antoine went missing in 1944, which he did, uh, she got remarried, but apparently what fueled more of the rumors that it was her that he was talking about was that she wrote a memoir of their life together 
and she called it the tail of the rose and she locked it away in her trunk in her attic for years. And years after she died, her friend discovered it and it got published, which is really neat. So Antoine, the author, he actually went missing in July of 1944, somewhere over the Mediterranean Sea. And in 1998, a fisherman who was fishing off the south of France, uh, he found a silver bracelet that had the name of Antoine and his wife and his publisher, actually, which is really neat. And if you if you Google it, you can see the picture of the, the little silver bracelet that he either would have worn or had attached to his uniform, which is so, so cool. But the mystery of this of the author of this book and then combined with the this beautiful world that he created with the little prince i mean how could you not love this or at least be fascinated by it this book is so instagrammable and quotable and lovely and in conclusion it is a beautifully written story about how to be a good person and i honestly think that everybody should have a copy of this book so my next book is, I guess, more of a series, and it's the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon. So this book came out in 1991, and I remember my mom reading it. And, you know, my mom, she, as I, if you listen to my last episode, you will know my mom is a book fanatic. But this book is huge, and it looks so daunting. It's like 600 pages of super small print, and even the write-up on the back sounds so lame. You're like, you read it and you're like, whatever, that's so lame. So I'm just going to read you just a quick blurb from the back of the book so you can, whoever writes these is terrible. The year is 1945. Claire Randall, a former combat nurse, is just back from the war and reunited with her husband on a second honeymoon when she walks through a standing stone in one of the ancient circles that dot the British Isles. Suddenly, she is a Sassanac, an outlander, in a Scotland torn by war and raiding border clans in the year of our Lord, 1743. Like fucking yawn, right? How lame does that sound? So years ago, I did my friend Trina's makeup for an event that she was going to. I don't remember what it was, maybe a wedding or something. But as a gift, I because I, I didn't want to take her money because I wasn't a makeup artist anymore. Um, she brought me this book and told me how much she loved it. And again, I read the back of the book and I was like, wow, <laughs> this book sounds lame as hell. And I put it on my shelf and I told myself like one day I will struggle through it sometime if I'm homesick or something. So fast forward to like six years later, um, it's still sitting on my shelf. And my friend, my one of my best humans on the planet, my friend Maggie and I are sharing an audiobook account, which you're not supposed to do. But she tells me how amazing this book Outlander is. And she begs me for weeks to just listen to the first chapter. So finally, I'm like, whatever, I just I'm tired of her like giving me shit about it. So I'm like, okay, fine. And wouldn't you know it, 32 hours later, <laughs> my world was totally changed. And I would even bounce back and forth from like listening to the audiobook to reading the paperback that Trina had gifted me that was sitting on my shelf. And again, this is another book that I should not have lent out because the girl that I lent it to has not given it back and has probably never fucking read it, which makes me want to text her something really angry right now. Mandy, if you're listening, read that book. Anyways, there are eight books in this series, and I have read or listened to all of them. Seriously, these books are filled with history and drama and love and 
Just some of the best written characters that I've ever read. And parts of this book seriously stick with you. They're so well written and it feels like you're just watching these things happen. I know they made a show of it, but I just can't. Once I've read the book, it's I can't go to the movie or the show. I don't know why. I just can't do it. But I'm sure that these books have inspired thousands of people to travel to Scotland and to dream of strong, red-haired strong-shouldered men that carry swords and give them passionate kisses. So anyways, moving on. The next book, oh, this book is so beautiful. It's called The Mercy of Thin Air by Ronlin Domingue. Domingue? Domingue? I think it's Domingue. Uh, wow, I'm just going to butcher everyone's name today. So this book is sort of an oddball. It's another one where the write-up on the back doesn't know justice, and then you read it and you're like, you read the back of the book and you're like, okay, this is stupid, but I'm telling you it's not. It's amazing and beautiful. And if you love yourself, you need to read this book. So this book is about a girl named Raziella from New Orleans in the 1920s. And she dies in basically the happiest, kind of in the middle of the happiest day of her life. So the book is written from her perspective as a ghost, I guess. And she's sort of in between. The book touches on ideas about like, mystery and feminism and tragedy and love and life and death and fate and all of the things that make up a good story, basically. Everything you could want in a good story is in this book. It is a kind of book that you need to drag out because even though you need to know what happens, you never want it to end. I I know I bought this book for my sister-in-law and now that I think about it, I don't even remember if she liked it. Um, so I'm going to have to message her immediately. But I have goosebumps just thinking about this book and how beautiful it is. So if you have a soul, read this book. Like, I don't know why this book is not more famous and I don't know why more people don't know about it because it's so beautifully written and it's just such a wonderful story. So moving on. Okay, The Bronze Horseman by Paulina Simons. On Goodreads, this book has like a 4 or 4.3 rating, which is pretty solid and surprising because it can be a bit dry. It's about a young Russian girl named Tatiana, and she meets this man named Alexander, who's this big, strong, handsome, rugged Russian man. Uh, she meets him at the beginning of World War II. He's a soldier. It's pretty heavy on the history, and it can be a bit dry, but it has some really, really great moments. And the author of the book actually grew up in Leningrad, so her descriptions of Russia are just so beautiful, like it feels like you're there. And this book can for sure be a bit slow, honestly, but it's so worth it. There's three books in the series, but the first one is like, it just is really beautiful. It's, it's long, Whew, it's long, but it's so good. The next book on my list, you guys, this book like helped make me who I am today. I'm not even kidding you. This book changed my life as a lost goth 13-year-old girl with no friends. <laughs> so it's called The Lost Souls or sorry, Lost Souls, not the, just Lost Souls by an author named Poppy Z. Bright. Holy shit, you guys. This book is so dated. It's from like 1992, but this book started my obsession with New Orleans and it taught me that all over the world, there are people that feel like they don't fit in, um, which I definitely, that's how I felt <laughs> as a 13-year-old girl. And still, I don't fit into anything, honestly. But just remember, half of my teenage years, uh, the internet wasn't a thing. So books were really the only way to connect with other like-minded people. 
especially if you went to school where I did, Hillbilly Town. I got bullied at school. I got bullied at home by my mom's ex-husband. So this book connected so hard to my little spirit. And also, I was like a goth teenage girl, and it talked about sexy vampires and penises. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> I have read this book so many times that my copy is like yellow and almost falling apart. It's about a boy named Nothing. That's his name in the book, Nothing. And a boy named Ghost. It's got a sad, lost girl, little goth girl named Anne. And three sexy vampires that will make your front bum tingle. <laughs> This is definitely not Twilight. This is like if Twilight had a personality and a traumatic childhood. Highly, highly recommend. So taking taking a sharp turn to another historical fiction, are you noticing a trend here? The Tea Rose series by Jennifer Donnelly. Okay, I'm going to read part of the back of this book and I obviously was very leery about reading this because once I read this, you're going to be like, this book sounds so lame, but it's not. Okay, listen. East London, 1888, a city apart, a place of shadow and light where thieves, whores, and dreamers mingle, where children play in the cobbled streets by day and a killer stalks at night, where bright hopes meet darkest truths. Here, Fiona Finnegan, a worker in a tea factory, hopes to own a shop one day, together with her lifelong love, Joe Bristow, a costermonger's son. With nothing but their faith in each other to spur them on, Fiona and Joe struggle, save, and sacrifice to achieve their dreams. But Fiona's life is shattered when the actions of a dark and brutal man take from her nearly everything and everyone she holds dear. Okay, so you read that and you're like, what? Oh my god, how lame is this? But seriously, this series is so good, you guys. I cannot. I know it sounds lame, but it's so good. I don't know who writes the back of these books, but honestly, they're the worst. They're the worst. Every book I have ever loved has the worst write-up on the back. And you read it and you're like, I'm not reading that. It sounds horrible. But this book is so good. It's about bravery and love and honor. And it just makes my heart so happy. Fiona, the character, is the kind of girl that every parent should want their little girl to grow up to be. She's like smart and strong and has a brain for business. And this book has the loveliest characters and I cannot say enough good things about it. Even though it has a lot of talk about tea, which I don't like because it's like fucking boiled sticks. I don't even care. <laughs> this book, uh, this series is that good. So it just paints the most beautiful pictures of like London and New York from the late 1880s. Anyways. Wow, I get really worked up about books. <laughs> so the next book on my list is by Edward Gorey, who is my favorite pen and ink artist. And I literally want his whole story, The Evil Garden, tattooed over my entire body because I love gardens and he's so incredible. So the book is called Amphigory or Amphigory. I guess maybe Amphigory because his name is Edward Gorey. But it was my first introduction to his work. And he is basically this fabulously eccentric man. And he wore fur coats and had earrings. And he wrote books that looked like they're going to be children's books. But everything is written in fancy Victorian English. And he didn't even like kids. He like died at like 85 and he had never been married. And he was very sort of like wishy-washy on his sexuality. But yeah, he didn't even like kids and he wrote books that looked like they were for kids. So 
That makes it even more hilariously weird. So Amphigory is a big book of short stories all written and illustrated by him. And it's so incredible. He was such a goth icon. I'm not even kidding you. He's just, yeah, most goth people will know who Edward Gorey is. And if they don't know who it is, they weren't a real goth. Anyway, taking a sharp turn, very sharp turn. How to Make a Serial Killer by Christopher Barry D. and Stephen Morris. This book is on the shorter side, but it's so fascinating. It follows and details the lives of a few serial killers like Dean Coral and John Wayne Gacy and Dr. Harold Shipman um, in order to argue about nature versus nurture and a little bit of the science behind having an extra Y chromosome and why that is found in violent men. I think the actual name for that having an extra Y chromosome is called Jacob's syndrome. I'll have to look that up later to be sure. But anyways, I loved biology and learning about like chromosomes and genetics was like my favorite part because that stuff is so crazy. And this book talks quite a bit about that. It's not a long, hard read and they break it down in really basic terms, but it's really fascinating. So the last book on my list that I picked uh, for today is called The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern. You guys, this book is what dreams are made of. Seriously, take every dream that you've ever had about magic and beauty and put it together on paper. And that is this book. It has magic and friendship and treachery and murder and all of the things that, oh, it's so good. The visuals described in this book are unreal. And the way I'm going to describe it is going to be super lame. But trust me when I say that this book is so worth the read. So these two young magicians, stay with me, they're called Celia and Marco, and they are in a competition that they don't know about at a circus that only opens at night. It's a mysterious circus that only opens at night. And I know this sounds so lame the way I'm describing it, but I'm not a writer and I don't have the words to tell you how good this book is. So the two of them are basically in a competition and one of them is supposed to lose and die, but neither of them know that. And I could talk about books forever, ah, especially all these books. Oh my God. But I should probably, I should probably slow down before this episode ends up being like six hours of me just demanding that you read a million books. Um, so I'm going to tell you now about how I found out my sister-in-law was a writer. So my sister-in-law, Jane, lives in Vancouver with my husband's brother, and we live across the country from them, so I never really got to spend any time with her at all. Jared and I went out there in 2012, and we stayed with them for a couple nights, and we had a nice time. We went hiking, we went for dinners, and we played games with them. We had a great time, and we just, I don't know, her and I never got super close, and I just feel like it wasn't the right time, maybe. Anyways, Jane is super beautiful and intelligent, and if you are awkward and insecure like myself, she's a little intimidating at first because she's almost like uncomfortably pretty where you look at her and you're like, okay, like take it easy. She's also very quiet, which is really scary for someone that's insecure because when you see somebody that's like so beautiful, they don't look like a real person, and you don't feel like that yourself, you automatically think that people are just judging you even if they're not at all. And she totally is not like that. So I remember hearing her talking about writing. And again, I didn't know her that well. And I don't think like, like Jared and his brother, like they don't talk like every week. So like we never really knew what was going on in their lives that much. So a few years ago, while I was working at an office still, I got an email from Jane out of the blue 
and I actually still have it in my email and it basically said that her new book was coming out and I was like what the fuck this girl wrote a book and it said that she would send me a copy like an e ebook copy if I was willing to give a completely honest review and she asked specifically for like total honesty and it also said and I'm just going to read this quote directly from her email which I still have cuz I I think this was like from like 2015 but it says disclaimer this is an erotic romance novel with explicit kinky sex and it may not be your cup of tea. You've been warned. And I read that and I was like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll read this book and I have zero issues usually with honesty. So yeah, I'll read this. Oh my God, you guys. Oh. This book is called Deep and holy, she was not lying when she said it was explicit and I did not expect what I read from her. Oh my god, she is so pretty and quiet and I just had no idea that anything like that could even be floating around in her head. <laughs> For real. Honestly, if you saw her, you would have no idea what she comes up with. Like, holy crap, she is the epitome of a mysterious beauty. I'm not even kidding you. So fast forward to present time. She has like 12 books and she is insanely popular in her genre. And you should see the people in this girl's Facebook club. She has like a book club fan club. She is the most diehard fans ever. They are, they're insatiable. Seriously, these women, her fans are, they're intense. They're real intense. And I think that's so great. So my sister-in-law, Jane, she makes her entire living off how well her books do. And just watching her blossom into this like badass, best-selling author is so inspiring. Honestly, it's just... It's so amazing. I can't even say it enough. So if you read any kind of like contemporary romance or if you like books about rock stars or female lead characters that actually have a brain or anything to do with sex at all, that these these books are totally for you. And so if you want to check her out, which I highly suggest, uh, her books are available on Amazon under Jane Diamond. And I'll try and link her info when I post show notes and things on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter lately, but, or later is what I meant to say. Also, uh, something so, so cool is that a company approached her and actually wanted to turn her books into a video game, you guys. How cool is that? They literally turned three of her books into a video game that you can play on your phone. So, there's a mobile game company called Moments Choose Your Story and her Dirty Like Me book, uh, which was I think the first one. I have them all on my Kindle thingy on my phone. I do read them all. I feel like she thinks I don't, but I do read them all. <laughs> but that book was that game, sorry, was number one for over a month on that game app, which is huge. That's a huge deal. So if my sister-in-law isn't a Cinderella story, honestly, I don't even know what's real anymore because just she has blossomed and now she's like this best-selling like romance author. Another fun thing, if you don't know this, I am mostly a boudoir photographer and a couple years ago, my husband and I were going to go to Vancouver to visit and she messaged me and asked if I was up for doing a photo shoot. And so obviously I said yes, because photography is my life. And her and I had the best time shooting in this like tiny hotel that I was staying in. And no, before you go looking, I do not have any photos of her posted. So you cannot go searching for her boobies online. 
But I will tell you though, that that photo shoot brought us so much closer. And I seriously think we bonded so much during that. So at one point, like this hilarious song came on and it totally broke the ice for us. And she even used uh, the letters of that song as a dedication to me in one of her books, which is like the coolest thing ever. Like who does that? It's so crazy. So you learn a lot about people when you spend hours with them, making them pose naked and causing a ruckus in a hotel shower. (laughs) Anyways, we had so much fun and her and I talk all the time and I'm just like so grateful for her. I can tell her anything and yeah, I could go on and on. Oh my God, shut the fuck up, Tony. Anyways, I was going to talk about my favorite antique books in my collection, but I feel like I have talked way too much and my dog keeps glaring at me, so I think I'm going to save those for another episode. Last but not least, I want to give some shout outs. Um, My friend DJ New has been such a huge support and he plugs me all the time, so I want to give him a shout out. You can find him on Spotify or Spreaker at It's a New Day Podcast. It's a New Day Podcast. It's a New Day Podcast. That's his little like jingle. (laughs) But It's a New Day and it's spelled N-U-U. And it's so great. He's a DJ from Vegas and he's just like an all around super cool guy. And his podcast is so much fun and he has a ton of great music. So you can check him out at It's a New Day Podcast. It's a New Day Podcast. It's a New Day Podcast. I can't like not sing that. I don't know why. I'm a terrible singer. I apologize. I have said so much dumb shit today. Like I should just delete this and start over. Anyways, another podcast shout out to my friends from the Horror Basement Podcast or TN Horror Podcast Network. They have been such, such a support. Seriously, they always answer my podcast questions, which is like the nicest thing because they don't have to do that. And they have the best accents ever. And you can find them on Anchor and Spotify and Instagram if you type in TN Horror Podcast Network. They're so much fun. And as for my amazing sister-in-law, Jane Diamond, she is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Jane Diamond. That's J-A-I-N-E and then Diamond. And all of her books are on Amazon because she is a self-published fucking goddess. And you can get them on Kindle, which is where I have them, or you can get the paperback like my mom has. And sometimes I take them just to make her angry. Or you can, uh, she has audiobooks as well. So you can download that game of her books, which is so crazy. And it's called Moments Choose Your Story on your app store. And finally, you can find me, Prosecco and Ponies, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find my art at www.brittanyjillphotography.com or Brittany Jill Photography on Instagram. And I'm still waiting for stories. So if you have spooky stories, neighbor stories, funny stories, any story, comments, whatever, email me at ProseccoWithTony at gmail.com. That is all for today. If you listened to all of this, you are a hero. Thank you, my friends. Have a great day.